Welcome back to another episode of New Orleans.Football presented by PJ's Coffee. We've got a great show for you guys today. We're going to talk about some of the Saints' needs and what they need to do to get players to fit Clint Kubiak's system, how the team's going to use play action. We're going to talk about some of the guys they could go after in free agency and a whole lot more. I'm joined by my guy, Mike Triplett, as I am every single time we do this. And if you need a new car, make sure you check out Matt Bowers. they got the Ford dealership right behind us here on Veterans Memorial Boulevard. But they have dealerships of every brand all over the region. Best prices, best customer care, best car buying experience you can find. All right, let's hit these ads. Buy PJ's Coffee. PJ's Coffee has some of the best drinks that you can find. They have locations all over the city. They have pastries and everything else you need to get your day started. So go check them out. Are you looking for the perfect engagement ring? Look no further than Friend & Company Fine Jewelers' new engagement salon. This new area houses a wide selection of engagement rings to choose from in all cuts, sizes, and colors. Their experienced staff offer five-star customer care to help you find the perfect ring to express your love. Visit their new engagement salon today. Friend and Company Fine Jewelers, the perfect ring for the perfect moment and also for the perfect person. 7713 Maple Street between Adams and Burdett Street. 504-866-5433. Friend and Company Fine Jewelers. Check them out at friendandcompany.com. Hard Hide Punch Tool Strawberry Whiskey is an 86-proof blend of aged wheat bourbon, American light whiskey, and fresh Punch Tool strawberries. Blended in New Orleans, it is not for the thin-skinned. Look for it in your favorite stores, bars, and restaurants. New Orleans Stop Football is proud to be sponsored by Firehouse Subs. Make sure you check out their location on Veterans Boulevard. All right, let's get into the show. All right, let's get into our lead topic presented by Front and Company Fine Jewelers, the official jewelers of the New Orleans Saints. If you need to get an engagement ring, make sure you go check them out. They got cuts and sizes all over the spectrum, the little rings to the big rings, the best stuff you can find, all of it's the highest quality. Uh, make sure you tell them we sent you there when you go in. And while you're there, check out their Florida Lee earring and necklace. Front and Company Fine Jewelers has those specially priced for our NOF audience. All right, what do the Saints need to do to add players to fit this new offense. Dennis Allen did an interview with uh, James Palmer and uh, Steve Weich this week, and he kind of just – it was pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, because it was comparable kind of – he made the parallel to his system when he was coming in behind Rob Ryan and how he had a vision for what he wanted to do, and he said it without saying it that yeah. they didn't have a vision for what he they wanted it. to do. No, he said well, they didn't have a vision. It wasn't explicitly yeah. like they didn't know what they were doing, but he he, right. he alluded to it that they didn't have a, a plan before, and then when he came in, these are the guys I need. This is how they're going to fit. We're going to go get them. We're going to put it together and off and run, and everything's going to work, and it did. And he kind of made that same parallel to this type of offense, coming in with Clint Kubiak, basically saying he he has a vision for what he wants to do, yep. and they need to get the players to, to fit that system. Um, he also said that him, Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, and the entire scouting department met with the staff. They're talking about the guys they need. Um, so what do you think the Saints yeah. will do to find the players they need to make this offense work? And is there anyone that they could be looking to replace? Yeah, I thought that was the most interesting part of the interview um, and making that comparison. I mean, he, he did say, like, they they changed what they were so many times in that era. And he was talking about a few years before, too. When they brought Rob Ryan in, they changed to a 3-4. Then they actually had some success in that 2013 season, but then they you know, they wanted to copy the Seattle system that was working so well. 
And that wasn't really Rob Ryan's forte. Then they brought Dennis Allen in to work with Rob Ryan. They saw things differently. They were just kind of changing their minds year after year about what they wanted their defense to be. And that's sort of been Dennis Allen's problem. Um, to, to his frustration is he hasn't been able to find the offensive system that works for this team. And, and, and it was you know true in Sean Payton's last year here too. So it's been three years in a row now. And so I think he really liked the idea of let's go all in on a system that we have conviction about. But what struck me was we have talked so much about what will Clint Kubiak mean for Alvin Kamara? What will he mean for Derek Carr? What will he mean for Chris Olave? What will he mean for Chris, or for Rashid Shaheed? But hearing Dennis Allen talk about that, and, and they were talking about in terms of the draft and, and having a meeting with the college scouting department, what kind of players fit the system. But it, it kind of just made me wonder a little bit, hmm, is there anybody that is on the current roster that just doesn't fit? Would, would they make any changes to current players? I, I don't know that anyone definitely screams they've got to replace this guy, except for the offensive tackle position, I think. I mean, it's not um, it's not Trevor Penning unless he proves otherwise. Andrus Pete would be uh, a one-year bandage if they bring him back. James Hurst would be a one-year bandage. Um, uh, so I, I think left tackle, but maybe right tackle with Ryan Ramchak. Maybe the guards, depending on how they feel about Cesar Ruiz and these guys. So uh, number one to me is identify the offensive linemen that work for this system. Yeah, I, I don't know that any of these guys – don't fit, but I think there's probably people that, that fit a little bit better. Um, I know they still think that Penning can be be saved. I mean, there there is there is strong belief that he can be put back together. Um, you know, obviously, I think a lot has to happen. I think the change in coaching might help him yeah. quite a bit. I mean, we you can see it last year when you talked to him. There was there was a, a shaking confidence there. Yep. Like he 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 was struggling with kind of where he was at mentally, where he was at in, in his career and. I, you know, if you're someone kind of going through that stuff, I don't know, and I'm not disparaging this man at all, but I, I don't know if Doug Marone's the best person for somebody that has that kind of reaction to maybe adversity, tough coaching, all that stuff, because he's a, he's a grader, man. Like he grates on people. He, like he, he is, embraced that approach. Yeah. He admitted it. Yeah. He yeah. He, he goes it. at people very hard. He, he, he breaks them down. He, he's on them. And, you know, I think if somebody's having a crisis of confidence, they might need to be built back up and not be torn down. And I don't know that there was a lot of that happening. So maybe changing up that approach is just that alone is the thing that that gets things to click for Trevor Penning because I don't think that he lacks the physical gifts or ability. Like, I think he clearly has that. It's just something – I think it's just something in his head. And I think it was a confidence issue more than anything. So if they could figure that out, that's huge. But I don't think you can bank on it. That's the yeah. thing, though. Like, no matter how much you believe in it, if you're, if you're believing in it to the point that you're saying this is the answer – I think you're doing it wrong. So they have to address that. They have to get somebody at that position. I, I, I would like to buy stock in Trevor Penning just in general because anyone whose stock is that low, who has the first-round talent, who has the athletic grades that he did when he tested out, he ran the – at his size, he ran the 40 in like 4.89 seconds at the combine, um, had that relative athletics score off the charts. I mean, there is – he wasn't just the Saints thought he was a first-round pick. He was universally regarded – as a first-round talent. So I'd like to buy stake, but I'm definitely leery about how well he fits the system. This system relies on precision. You know, I mean, it, it relies on movement ability, which I think maybe he has, but big guy, precision, we haven't necessarily seen that from him. Um, so I'm a little worried, but... We haven't seen anything from him, to be I, well, fair. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, look, there's so many things they need in the first round of this year's draft. Um, they're going to take the best available player. It could be, you know, could be on offense. It could be uh, an edge rusher. It could be a skill position player. It could be a DB. Um, 
But boy, this would be a great year for them to maybe have two first round picks or 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 get back in or move up with their second pick. There are just so many athletic this this is like the best year for take your pick among these offensive linemen that people are projecting to go between like 10 and 25. I've got to think they can find one they like. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of depends on, on what they need coming into the, the season. But, yeah, it's a great draft for a tackle. If you need a yeah. tackle, like, there's going to be a tackle there. And a good one's probably going to get pushed down because there's so much yeah. – there's just so much depth there. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they don't go there at 14 but then trade up from 45 to get one or something. Yeah, like that would make a lot of sense too. Um, just going down the list here, do you think that they you – know, let's let's do the, the car yeah. versus QB thing. That popped into my head when I heard Dennis Allen talk. Now – to be fair, the first time I heard that clip, it was a standalone clip, and then I heard the full interview, and he had just talked about how well this system's going to fit, how he th- how well he thinks this system will fit Derek Carr. It sounds like they're planning to build around Derek Carr. Um, but he mentioned quarterback among the thing they were in that room scouting, and the name that I couldn't help but think of is J.J. McCarthy. I mean, if he doesn't feel like he's right out of San Francisco 49ers quarterback central casting, like Brock Purdy, like Jimmy Garoppolo, like – you know, the guy who has just a little bit of movement ability but stands there in the pocket and, and makes a lot of good, accurate throws. I've seen a lot of people pairing him with the Vikings because they say he's the kind of guy who runs that offensive system um, um, that, you know, has some some of the similar roots. So, um, uh, you know, it made me wonder, ooh, what if they think a different style quarterback is perfect for this offense? And J.J. McCarthy was the one that popped into my mind. But – I don't really see that. I think they genuinely think this offense is a good fit for Derek Carr. Yeah, I I, I don't think they're going to draft uh, a first round quarterback. And McCarthy's, I, he's he's a first rounder for sure at this point. From yeah. everything I hear, he's going there. I don't know where the mocks have him, but I know people in the league think he's a first rounder for sure. I, I I don't see the quarterback thing happening. I mean, I think there's merit to it. If I'm running the team, I'm, I'm putting a lot of stock in it. But I just don't think it's something that's actually going to happen. But We'll see. Um, all right, moving on to the list. Alvin Kamara. I think if anybody should be excited about this offense, it should be him. And we're going to get into that when we break down a play in a little bit. But I think this suits everything he needs to be successful. I think it should make him a lot more successful if they can execute it. It's, you know, obviously you have the scheme, but you got to have it, the players to, to pull it off. They didn't block outside zone great last year. Maybe if they scheme it different, it's a little bit better. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. He's basically in the last year of his contract. Yeah. And that's a dividing point. That's kind of the point where players get cut or they get extended. And Heading you could, into the last year? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could play it out. But, I mean, this is a normal point where there's there's a, a crossroads where you could play it out. But this is a time where if people are deciding to move on, they move on. And I think it's kind of interesting with him. I'm not expecting anything to happen, but – at the same time, you have Kendrick Miller on the team, and if you want to save, I think, like $11 million post-June 1st, it's not something that would make my head explode right. at this point. But I don't see it coming, but I'm I'm, I'm not well, at the point where I mean, it wouldn't be like like 15 Jimmy Graham gets traded and I like fall back into my chair. <laughs> like, It's at a point where naturally anything could happen at this well, point. Well, I mean, first of all, he's a running back heading into his eighth NFL season. Is that what it is now? Eighth NFL season. Gosh, running back years. But, I mean, the very first thing you think of when you think of this offensive system is they've done it without stars. Up until the 49ers traded for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it's famous for being the offense of Terrell Davis and Arian Foster and Alfred Morris, you know, in in various uh, places. Um, So, to think that, and we talked about this in a money segment uh, a while back, like, to think that that is a position 
where the offensive coaches are like, uh, you know, I mean, they're they're in there talking now to the guys they've officially hired, Rick Dennison and, and John Benton, and they're probably telling stories about, you know, give me the rookie who can one cut and go. I think the best thing that happened to Alvin Kamara is that Kenry Miller wasn't able to prove himself last year, so yeah. they're not ready to shove Alvin Kamara out the door because if you do shove Alvin Kamara out the door, you got huge question marks at that position. But, yeah, a team that has salary cap issues, any team without salary cap issues in the NFL, you have to wonder how long they're going to keep paying a running back. How do you feel about the receivers and tight ends? They feel right to me. I mean, we've talked a lot about uh, they should have – I would expect them to have better plans for speed receivers like Olave and Shahid, ways to get them more yards after the catch. I, I do think it's very much a priority if we assume Michael Thomas is not part of this team um, for them to get that that – possession receiver or possession tight end a big slot uh, a pass catching tight end uh, who can block as well uh, I think they are down a man uh, right now uh, I don't know if that's something they think they can address in free agency or the draft but I think they're down a player right now yeah no I I agree I think they got to do something they got to get they got to get one more they're one guy away for sure from that but I, I like I like the core of it like you, you no just question. sprinkle somebody in and, and you're good to go um, it could be Brock Bowers it could be somebody off the street a, a wide receiver it just feels like they need one more one more guy. Just to kind I, of I have one or two names bit. that I'm going to bring up because uh, uh, I already know what the Martin's question of the day is. But it, it's to me, it's what is the level of investment? Is that is that cheap or you know is that the fourth receiver on the roster or is that a significant investment? That that's my only curiosity. But I bet I bet they're adding one more player there. All right. Uh, yeah. The other thing that he talked about. Moving on to our next segment, and I thought this was. Kind of fascinating, too, because we had touched on it the other day. And, um, yeah, I mean, they, we, we'll get into it. But, yeah, the, the next segment presented by Hard Hide Strawberry uh, Whiskey is play action on the rise for the Saints. DA talked about just how much he likes play action for this team. The 49ers have moved almost entirely away from play action. So that's kind of a uh, like a year ago before this season observation there. But it's there. part of Kubiak's history. It is, but... Yeah, one of the things that stood out about what he was saying, though, was that, and it's 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 just, I don't know, it's crazy to me because the 49ers, and this is more interesting about the 49ers because they developed this trend kind of. They had 133 play-action attempts last season. That was 27th in the NFL. The Saints the ranked Saints 31st. But as I said on a previous <laughs> so they're show. they're still increasing. <laughs> yeah, as I said on a previous show, though, like they were creating this this the same effect in the defense through the use of motion, which – Allows your quarterback to get those advantages, but he never has to turn his back to anything. So your eyes are always forward. So you're getting the same advantage and you've mitigated the disadvantage for the quarterback where he has to turn his back and maybe he's taking a hit or he has to turn around and make a throw. Like he's making his his drop and his eyes are there on his reads the whole time. And Shanahan figured out how to get the same action doing that without the play action part of it. And yeah. it was just it's just the brilliance is it's mind boggling when you when you watch it because he's getting that movement within the defense and all that stuff. But they aren't giving anything up. Like the guy, like say what you want about like his, his game management, but like his design of offense yeah. is just it's it's unbelievable. Um here's the thing with the Saints, though. They hardly used play action last year, and yet Carr had a 106.3 rating when using play action. It's unbelievable they didn't use it more. And look, the other Shanahan teams still stayed in love with play action. The Dolphins were fourth in the league, the Texans were twelfth. So it isn't like a, a whole and it's it was just Kyle Shanahan specific. He yeah. figured something out last year. And maybe it was a Brock Purdy thing, but although Purdy led the league in, in passer rating well <laughs> on play action attempts, so yeah, I don't know. But we have to. Uh, I feel good about him just recognizing what they did good and trying to find a well, thing that, and that look, fit it. 
Carr just wasn't doing enough of it early on. And, and it's like they, I don't know if they read New Orleans.football or if they just, you know, finally had a good conversation in those meeting rooms. Once they started doing more play action, Carr was happy. The offensive linemen were happy. Yeah. Carr looked great. The offensive line looked great. Um, it was. It seemed like the simplest thing in the world, but it couldn't be ignored. And yes, that was the other thing that stood out to me in Dennis Allen's press conference. He didn't. Say, he said it twice. He said it twice, like in the first two minutes of the conversation. He stressed play action in general, and then when he was asked a Derek Carr question, he talked about how good he think thinks the increased use of play action will be for Dennis Allen. Now it is true, like you said, those other offenses use a lot of play action. Kyle Shanahan decided a way to get that same effect without doing play action. But either way, it's clear that Dennis Allen's takeaway is yeah. this is an offense who knows how to use play action or simulated play action or whatever you want to call it to put the offensive line and the quarterback in the best position. And he's married to Derek Carr. This team is invested in Derek Carr, and he thinks that nothing will help Derek Carr better than – putting an offense like that around it. Yeah, I mean, the 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 funny thing about the, this offense and them changing up their stripes last year is that I think before last season, if you asked anyone to describe the 49ers offense, it would have been that, like, they run the ball to set up play action passes. Like, yeah. that was kind of, it felt like the whole purpose of it. And then, but it's kind of like McVay, too. It was like, well, what's the McVay offense? And it's like, well, they took all the things teams do wide and they condensed it and it just created chaos for other teams. And then, Eventually, they got to a point where they went wide again, and then last year they brought it back in. So, you know, and then you even look at DA. Like, the hallmark of his defense was disguise in the back end, blitz in the front, and then for 10 games this season, it was kind of static in the back end and not a whole lot of blitz in the front. Like, sometimes guys just – I guess you kind of got to constantly be evolving, but DA also ended up finding his way back there. I think with Shannon, is I, I don't think he has to find his way back to this, even though his quarterback was great at, at play action. But it's just kind of fascinating to see, like, the evolution of this stuff. And, like, when you're kind of studying them, I don't know, that's the stuff that kind of gets me excited a little bit to uh, to look at it. But um, And just, I mean, there's so many things where we talk like we know who Clint Kubiak is. I'm, I'm excited to cover Clint Kubiak's career arc. Like, it's, yeah. it's such a perfect – we've talked about this a couple times, but it's just such a perfect – Step one, step two, step three, he's taken so far. He's been exposed to a lot of variations of this. No, I mean, he's Gary Kubiak's son. He grew up in the original part of this offense. He grew up sort of with Kyle Shanahan. They were the sons of Mike Shanahan and Gary Kubiak, who were there for over a decade together. He's watched Shanahan peel it off this way. He went and worked with some other people who peeled it off this way. Then he went back to work for Shanahan while Shanahan is tinkering with it. He's just got to have so many ideas of what this offense should look like in 2024. And this will now be his third time as a play caller in a third, slightly different system. The first time where he's gotten the keys completely to himself. Like Dennis Allen is like, this is your offense, yeah. man. And, and, and I'm really excited to see what he does with it. Look, the other thing too, is there hasn't been a lot of failure coming out of that San Francisco building either. Like th whatever they're doing, like they're developing coaches as well. Yeah. And I think that's, that's important. Like it's a good place to be coming out of. It's not like, New England, where there's like, well, half the guys work and half the guys don't. Yeah. Like, I can't name off the top of my head like a bunch of Shanahan people that failed. Like, it's just like, it seems like he does a great job of preparing people. They all talk about just the accountability, the demands, just kind of being able to communicate something from A to Z and, and being able to spell it out. And I think all that stuff helps you be organized, organize your thoughts, go out, be responsible, coach a team, all that stuff. So, yeah, I think he's coming from the right place. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, he's, he's still a very young. 
36, right? 36, 37. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very young guy. Um, so he's just kind of getting started right now. So see how it goes. Everything looks good on paper. And speaking of on paper, the Saints finalized the rest of their coaching staff. They made the announcement today. Since our last show, we had told you that they were nearing uh, a hire of uh, wide receivers coach Keith Williams. And they also hired his assistant, Denarius McGee, as the assistant wide receiver coach. He had spent the last three seasons in Houston. So some exposure to uh, Bobby Slowick last year coming it's into, funny. Coming and, into and, here. And um, gosh, I'm, uh, not, is it Jared Johnson that they interviewed for the um, for the offensive coordinator job? Who was the quarterback's coach there? It's, they ended up getting some exposure to whatever they liked about that yeah. offense too in, in that hire. I thought that was really interesting. A former Montana uh, State quarterback, Dennis Allen, also said in that interview that he sounds like he kind of purposefully brought in the veteran coaches. They officially confirmed Dennis and Benton, uh, Janoco all have worked uh, you know at the at higher levels before with some of these younger up and coming ones. I mean Keith Williams feels like. Gosh, he feels like a home run. Um, it just makes me wonder why he's only been an NFL uh, assistant receiver coach for three years. He was the personal coach to Tyreek Hill, Devonta Adams. These guys swear by him. He was in college for 18 years. He was on uh, Tulane staff for part of that. He was on Fresno State staff with, with Derek Carr for part of that. But um, it sounds like the receivers are probably really excited to work with him based on um, just like sort of the personal uh, – uh, personal recommendations from from some of the top receivers in the league that he's yeah I mean look I, I think when you're coming in if you're Rashid Shahid Chris Olave and the guy talking to you is not just someone that's paired with Tyreek Hill but Tyreek Hill goes to him to yeah. work out to yeah. Lincoln Nebraska yeah I think <laughs> I think there's some cachet there I think if yeah. Devonte Adams is there there's some cachet there so if what's good enough for the two best receivers in the league or you know <laughs> if they're seeking it out that that should be good enough for you. And he's also from uh, – he has ties to, to the California area, like around where Olave is from. I, I think that's probably carries some weight. I think so he's, he's from the same spot. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think I think, uh, I think it's probably going to be a good hire. Like, I, 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 he's a tactician. Um, I've heard that he ma- makes people very accountable, um, and I think they need some of that. You know, having some of these younger guys, some tough love could be a good thing for him. So the pedigree of this coaching staff on paper, like, it looks really, really good. It's just kind of in practice does it work yep. the way it looks on paper. We're going to find all that out. We're going to keep talking about some of that stuff uh, when we come back and hit you on the other side of this break. Are you tired of renting and ready to own your dream home? Contact Jefferson Financial Federal Credit Union, your trusted source for home loans. Our competitive rates and flexible terms can help make your home ownership dreams a reality. If you're a first-time home buyer or looking to refinance, our experienced lenders are here to help. Our online application process allows you to apply on your schedule. It's quick, easy, and convenient. Visit us online at jeffersonfinancial.org to learn more. Federally insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Martin Wine and Spirits is home to a selection of hand-picked barrel select bourbon, whiskeys, and much, much more. They are family owned and operated since 1946 and specialize in wine, spirits, gourmet food, gift baskets, catering, and tasting events. They have many locations, so they're never too far away. You can check them out in Metairie, New Orleans, Mandeville, and Baton Rouge. Or if it's more convenient, you can always shop online. Whether you're a wine novice or a seasoned collector, You'll enjoy the Martin Wine and Spirit experience. All right, welcome back to our new studio here on Veterans Memorial Boulevard. And it is time for the money segment presented by Jefferson Financial Federal Credit Union. I'm introducing the segment because Nick's back on the Telestrator where he loves to be, where you love to watch him. 
and this time it was studying a lot of the San Francisco 49ers run game, which I think we both agree is probably what attracted them most to this system. And it's also not going to be that drastic of a change, hopefully drastically better results. But how does what you've studied in the 49ers run game translate into New Orleans' offense? Yeah, and like we are going to go super deep in the to you know the the weeds here. I kind of wanted to do like a basic level of uh the outside zone run because that's kind of what they're they're famous for, and that's kind of what everything's built off of. And it really is the thing that the Saints did a lot of last year. They just didn't build it as well as the 49ers did last year. The Saints were actually fifth in attempts last year on outside zone runs. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the concept here and then uh we're gonna get into to showing you some examples of how uh the 49ers used it um last year on a couple of plays and just kind of the, the space that they're able to to create. So we kind of got the basic setup here and we're gonna just go 12 personnel. Uh so we're gonna add two tight ends here, just kind of a, a basic heavy set because we got them in their base defense, the the 4-3 front there. So, you know, for people that don't know, 12 personnel, that's two tight ends. The first number when you do the personnel is always the running back is the first number, the second number is the tight end, and then the unlisted number is the wide receivers. It has to add up to five. So if it's 12 personnel, that means there's two wide receivers out there along with the two tight ends and the one running back. So anyhow, the goal of this here is we're going to run this play to the left. So you're going to have the running back going starting out going to the left. So you go that way, and then you got your blocking scheme here. You'd have your tight end. He'd chip on here, and then he'd continue out and get this guy in the second level. Your offensive tackle is going to get the block here. And the first step on all these, 45 degrees. The first step is always going to be 45 degrees in the, the direction of the play. So then you're going to get here. And the goal here is... You're going to get some doubles. You're going to get a chip here, and then he's going to get out into the second level. So you're always blocking the guy that's that's in space, that's in space. So you're, you're trying to to work it that way. Um, you know, you grab him here, you get hit here, and then everybody's going at that 45-degree angle, and then your tight end would cut off the backside thing. So the idea, again, you're blocking a zone. Everybody's working in concert this direction. And when you're watching these plays, you can usually identify it that way. And your running back's going to start out going that way, but he's going to go and it's not defined. Like you're going to go until you see a hole and then you're going to cut it back or you can go to the outside, but you're going to start going to the left. And then, you know, for, you know, you might cut it through here and off you go up that way. Or if the hole opens here, you're going there, or it might just be bang like that. And that can make it sometimes hard to tell the difference between inside zone and outside zone or mid, there's a mid zone too. Sometimes it, it gets a little bit um, convoluted a little bit, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the goal. You're, you're going to start out going that way. Everybody's taking a 45 degree step that direction and he's going to cut it somewhere up that way. So let's get into the, the 49ers here. You got a little, whoop, pull it back up. Just got McCaffrey here, got the front. Um, so they're setting up there against the Rams. I like this play here. You're starting to get a little bit of motion. And there's there's plays with these guys. Like, you see the motion, and it'll just pull somebody, and it's just, you know, so obvious what's going to happen, and they're going to gash them. This isn't one of those. They're in a, a zone look here. Um, nobody's following the receiver in motion. But, you know, you kind of see the setup here. Like, look at this, man. Like, you got the – you see it already that <laughs> yeah for, they all took the exact same first step like like they're on a dance line yeah and, and you can just see already like you got it all like you got the four guys right here you got you know it's just 
they're cooked. You can just see it like straight away. It's just like, oh man, they're like the numbers here look great. They're gonna set up. Got the other angle. Like, look at this. Like, you you know where he's going. So there's the line of scrimmage. You're gonna get, you know, a good five yards before the contact. Everybody's getting bullied. Here's our guy in motion. He's he's helping out on that block there. You know, it's just kind of you just got a great advantage here. So you got a running back like Christian McCaffrey going into space, and he's got one guy to beat. Um, I like the odds there. You know, all you got to do is break one tackle. Is it is it generally good for the offense when the defensive end is sitting down at this point of the play? <laughs> <laughs> and here we go. You're getting up into the hole. I don't know why my there we go. Yeah, I mean, just the space is is tremendous. And here we go. There's our first contact right there. So you're getting that level of distance. So last year on these outside zone runs, McCaffrey averaged 1.8 yards before contact. Alvin Kamara, one. I mean, so you're you're spotting him a yard on these plays, and that yard is a major difference because, look, he, he's, on a, he's on a DB here. Like, he got way down the field. Like, the first guy I highlighted isn't even the one that made the first contact. So he got way down the field here. But, you know, that first yard, if you're getting there, that's going to be D-line, 1.8. That's probably going to be a linebacker or a DB. And you're going, you know, 280 versus 240. Like, you know, Alvin might be able to break a, a tackle from a 240-pound guy. 280 at this point in his career, it's a little bit harder. So there he goes. He's through everybody, beats that tackle. He ends up scoring on this play, I believe. So... Well, no, he gets taken down. It was like a 50-some yard game. That this one here is the touchdown. So spoiler alert. Yeah, we got another one here. Uh Caffrey again in the backfield. Again, we see the really nice hole. There's one guy here. He's he'd have to turn around to make a play. Not gonna happen. So you're gonna get out to here before you have any anything to worry about. Still going. breaks that first contact the other thing i wanted to highlight here let me let me bring this back this is this is what the saints are going to need you got your your wide receiver right here just kind of watch his arc through this you know high effort there's no loafing you know he's he's out there he's out there man he's he's working he's working he ends up He's there on the ground, ends up laying a block. You know, that's important. It's part of the play. Like, it helps it helps free him. Like, it's a play that that that's what Olave and Shahid are going to have to do. They don't have to be elite blockers, but they got to have the effort to get out there and, you know, stick them with it, making the play. You got them all through there. The, the receivers, bang. They that's what opens it up. So that's going to be something that they got to uh, they got to get. Yeah, there's my guy. You see him making the block there. Those got out of order. So... Yeah, that's that's important, man. Like you gotta have that that wide receiver blocking um, the space, just all that stuff. It's just so well executed. But that's gonna be the crux of the offense. Everything's built off of it. And um, look, obviously easier said than done. Though you, I mean, you oh, have yeah. to execute. I mean, you, you the players have to be good enough to do that. That is also the difference between one and one point eight. But it's not like everyone said, you know, when Kyle Shanahan showed up, the Forty ers had the best offensive line in the league. You, you know, systems can make lines and and players can make. 
lines. But a uh, lot more detail on that uh, on New Orleans Football, where Nick broke down an article with a lot of the tendencies. A couple of the things Nick's done. I mean, you really do not have to have a master's degree in football. You can read two articles and then go around and feel like you're starting to become an expert <laughs> on on what the Shanahan Kubiak system is. And you don't just need to know that as a Saints fan. You need to know that if you're watching 18 teams around the NFL right now. Yeah, no, everybody's running this thing right now. So, um, all right, let's get into our Martins question of the day. Martins is home of a wide selection of hand-picked barrel select bourbon, whiskeys, and more. Martins, so much more than just wine. Uh, on the last show, I you know, I said Cedric might be he, – he was, he was the guy that asked the question. I said the Cedric sandwich might be the – Cedric Cedric is the owner of, of Martin. So, shout out to Cedric Martin. That's Was the, he the one who asked the question? No, no, no. But he, he's the namesake of the chicken sandwich, which I makes sense. I, w- I want a sandwich with my name on it somewhere. Like, that's a life oh. goal. That is a life goal. you got a beer already. Yeah, but I want um, a sandwich, man. Right. I want to go sure in and order a sandwich. I'm Martin soon, but tell Cedric he can ask the next question. Like, I just – I need he, it. I he's need earned it. a question. Yeah. All right. Well, today's is from Hudat Goose – uh, at Goose Goof on Twitter. If you could pick one free agent that has never made the Pro Bowl or been an All-Pro to add to the team, who is it? I'm going to let you go first because I know that we took drastically. Yeah. I, I tried to outsmart the question. Okay. Well, no, because I, maybe I outsmarted the question. I'm going with DT Christian Wilkins. No, I'm just kidding. He, uh, he has never made a Pro Bowl. Uh, he's going to get franchised by the Dolphins. He would uh, change this. Uh, he would change this team drastically. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, he probably cost 20 plus million dollars a year, and I don't think he's, he's going to get out there. He's on my list. Um, no, no all but, pros, no Pro Bowls. But he's the best player available that's never made a Pro Bowl. Yeah. I, I would put Michael Pittman, the Colts receiver, in that same category. I think it would be cheating to use him as the answer. I think the Colts will probably franchise him. If not, I think he's going to cost a lot of money. So I think the spirit of the question is who do we like most from that second, probably more affordable tier? Um, and we already did a Martin's question that was similar to this where we mention a lot of these same names, but I'm going to go defensive end. I mean, Jonathan Greenard, Texans, Bryce Huff, Jets, a little cheaper, A.J. Epinesa, Josh Uche, Andrew Van Ginkle. I I think, number one, I'll say Jonathan Greenard. Um, you mentioned correctly. Um, he had 12 and a half sacks last year. Uh, it was like kind of a breakout year in his fourth year. That's a little scary. He has an injury history. Say the same thing about Bryce Huff. He finally broke out with 10 sacks last year. There's an undrafted guy. That's a little scary to be paying for someone's career year, but I don't care. I want them. I want them to pay for that type of player. Uh, so I'll go Jonathan Greenard as my my one guy or someone like him. That's fair. I mean, I think that's probably the right way to go about it too. Is you get somebody in that second tier, and then you probably draft somebody. And I think that's the way that I would probably try to address a position. Um, I thought Da had some interesting comments too. Going back to that that interview with uh, White and Palmer, just. And he had said this to us at the end of the season that he made comment on Cam's run defense, his age, where he's at, not finishing plays, uh, kind of mentioned that he's still, you know, effective and he thinking he can get some of that back being healthy. But, the, you know, he, he specifically brought up his age. In he didn't it. sugarcoat it. Yeah, not at all. So I think they're at a point now where Cam's still good. He's effective. But like you do have to be practical about the future of of the team. Uh, you know, I think you took all the the logical ones so oh, yeah. again i tried what to do uh got? what do you got christian wilkins was on my list yeah look he said if I, you could add someone that was not i would in the fall Pro Bowl out of my Pro. chair over praising and over hyping oh no doubt that no would solve doubt. so many problems <laughs> no doubt <laughs> and it would cost so much money. But look to me the question it was who would you add that's never made the pro bowl or the all pro my yes. other guy t higgins like just He's never made the Pro Bowl either. No. I skipped right past uh-uh. him. And it went to Michael Bowl. Pittman as my uh-uh. cheat code. Uh-uh. All right? I, I think he's All just right? been on a team where he's kind of gotten overshadowed a, a yeah. little bit. And, you know, there's it's been some, some missed time and everything. So, 
Yeah, I, I was shocked to see that too. But I mean, you don't got to tell Saints fans that. Like, there's just idiot things that happen with the Pro Bowl all the time. It took Demario Davis how long? Marcus Colston. Marcus Colston. Yeah, I mean, it's just a thing that kind of happens. You know, it's funny. Uh, so he asked for one person, but I made a, a complete list because I think it's a, I I chose this question because I think that's where the Saints are going to be shopping in this tier. And so I, I am curious what is out there at all their positions of need. And the, my favorite receiver that I came up with, funny enough, was Tyler Boyd, the number three receiver in Cincinnati, because I don't think they can pay both T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Um, so maybe T. Higgins is the one that they let go. But if they pay T. Higgins, maybe Tyler Boyd gets let go. And he is one of the most, I think, unheralded, just solid NFL players. He's a big slot receiver who is known for his blocking and that he catches almost everything thrown to him. It is exactly like what what the Saints need. And, uh, you know, I don't think he would break the bank. I think he would be exactly the perfect complement to these speed guys. He would do that dirty work blocking you just brought up in there. Um, and then uh, we mentioned Juwan Jennings. He's a big slot, too, that's a restricted free agent for the 49ers that Clint Kubiak's going to know well. And another name um, that uh, I didn't realize was a free agent, not quite the blocker these guys are, not necessarily, but K.J. Osborne, the, the guy who's been number three in Minnesota as a free agent, he went from, like, barely playing his first year to in Clint Kubiak's first year there. He had 50 catches for 655 yards and seven touchdowns. I wonder if he's a guy Clint Kubiak likes. So there are some receivers living in that tier. Offensive line, I couldn't come up with a lot of great names. There's a guard, Robert Hunt, from Miami who's running this system, did it well for Miami last year. So uh, so he's a second-tier offensive lineman that stood out to me as a possibility. One thing I hadn't considered until, like, right this very second is there's so many teams running this offense that yeah. it's, it's easy to find guys that are well-versed in it, are going to know the language, can come here, pick it up, do it, go quick. You yeah. don't have to project how they fit. Everyone like, I just said, yeah, Tyler Boyd and T. Yeah. Higgins are running this offense. Yeah, <laughs> so it's it's that's a good thing. It's a good thing to, to kind of have around. Um but, yeah, uh, free agency will actually start picking up kind of soon. We're at the Combine next week. So there'll be a lot of rumors coming out about that. But before we get there, we're going to be at PJ's Friday uh, for that show. So we'll be back Friday afternoon with another live stream. And uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you then.